Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This is the last week of our summer series of questions. Pastor David takes a look at the question, why did my sister have to die at such a young age? Let's listen. So today is the very last week of our summer of questions because, well, summer is nearing its end, which means that next week when you come, we'll start a new preaching series and we're titling it Strange Scriptures. There are times where you read through the Bible and you go, wait, that's in there? I didn't realize that story was in there. Or what do I do with, with that? That's part of the fun of reading a collection of stories that were written over such an expanse of time by so many different authors. But that will be next week, strange stories. This week, we will tackle our final question in the question series. And I believe we saved the hardest for last. As a reminder, I don't have all the answers. I know that does not come to a shock to anybody, but what I hope to do is say, well, let's discuss this together as a community of faith, and let's look to the ancient scriptures that God helps guide us into hopefully some semblance of an answer. Here's today's question turned in by the congregation. Why did God take away my sister? at such a young age? Well, I would start by saying I don't know who turned in this question because they're all anonymous, but if I did, I wouldn't respond right away. I would simply say I'm sorry, and I am. I'm deeply sorry that this person who turned in the question lost their sister at a a young age. I can't imagine the, the pain or the grief that this person has had to go through navigating this tragedy. You see, when we speak to those who who go through a traumatic loss, often that person doesn't need answers, at least right away. And in fact, the answers that we try to provide for why the tragedy may have occurred are sometimes more harmful than helpful. Instead, what I think we need to do when people are experiencing tragedy is to simply be there to be there with your presence, even if you don't know what to say, because nothing you say is really going to make it better anyway. But you can show that person that they're loved and that you're supporting them even by simply being there with your presence. What I'd like to do today for this topic of pain and suffering and why we go through it in this life is I want to explore some wisdom from the oldest book in the Bible. No, it's not the book of Genesis, even though that comes first in our Bible. It's the book of Job. The book of Job is one of the world's earliest attempts at explaining why we go through pain and suffering. So what you'll be reading today is the Israelites' account of being a sacred scripture of wisdom in answering that question. In fact, that's why the book of Job is placed in the wisdom literature section of the Bible, because they considered it to be full of wisdom about the topic of pain and suffering. So it's alongside Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and other wisdom literature, because that's where they wanted to house this book. So this is in Hebrew. It's the name Job. It's spelled like Job. But it's not Job, it's a name. It's Job. And the name Job in Hebrew means the persecuted one. 
So when you read this book, Job is supposed to represent all who have gone through times of pain and tragedy, which I think includes pretty much all of us. All who have experienced something in life where you just feel persecuted and you don't know what to do next. I mean, Job really is our story. In in the beginning of Job's story, he loses his family. It's a very tragic loss. He also loses his livelihood, and he loses his physical health. So there's three main things that are affecting him uh, to really set the stage for pain and tragedy. What I'd like to do is I'm going to study some excerpts from the book of Job about how he explored uh, and navigated that topic of tragedy. So in the very beginning, in chapter 2, is where we're going to start. And three of Job's friends come and and gather around him to support him. You see, they heard of, of all these horrible things happening to Job, and they said, we need to go and be with him. And I want you to, to particularly notice how Job's friends support him through his pain. So here's chapter 2, verse 11. When Job's three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance— They could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So how did Job's friends support Job in his time of immense suffering? They went to be with him. Their presence, their physical presence, was how they chose to support him. Did you notice they didn't say anything for seven days? They just sat with him. Not a word was spoken for seven days as they were physically just surrounding Job, saying, we are here for you. I think there's some deep wisdom in this. Because often when you hear of someone, that has experienced a profound tragedy, you just think to yourself, I don't know what to say. I mean, what can I possibly say that will make this situation better? And the truth is there's nothing you can say that will make the situation better. It's just a horrible situation. And honestly, sometimes we begin avoiding that person because we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to say to at all ease their pain. And so I would encourage you, When you have a friend, a family member who's going through pain, don't think about what to say. Be like Job's friends. Just go be with them. Just go pick them up saying, hey, I'm going to take you to Starbucks. I'm going to take you out to lunch. I just want to come over and, and sit with you for a while. There's great wisdom in this. The New Testament picks up on this theme. It says, mourn with those who mourn. I think that's what we're doing there. We say, yeah, I'm I'm mourning right alongside you. I'm not making it all better. I'm mourning with you. So Job's friends wept by his side. They shared in his grief. That was chapter two. But then the rest of the book of Job, and it's like 50 chapters long, the rest of the book of Job is their discussions about why, right? There, There comes a time 
to discuss theologically, well, why did this happen? Why do pain and suffering come to us in this life? I think that's what our question today really wants to understand. Why? Why did my sister die young? And so the rest of Job's story involves conversations between Job and his friends as they try to discover together the why. And they're not always right. Sometimes you'll read their guesses and you go, that can't be right. And yet that's part of the conversation of, of this ancient scripture as together they're trying to figure out this life we live that can be so beautiful but can also be so challenging. And so I want to look at a couple of the possibilities of how to respond, and then I also want to look at how Job actually responded to his pain. So first, let's start with Job's wife. Job's wife offers a possibility of how to respond to pain in one's life. Here's what she says. It says, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Job's wife is blaming God for their shared tragedy. I mean, she is upset with God because she believes that God is responsible for her family perishing. Her pain is transformed into anger and bitterness towards God. How often does that happen in life? Where a person is full of pain, and that pain is then It's not comfortable, right? You don't want to sit with it for very long. And so it's transformed into anger or bitterness or yelling. That's what's happening here in this situation. And it's it's directed towards God, but it's also directed towards Job. Because in this moment, Job is not blaming God. Job, as she says it, is trying to maintain his integrity to say, no, I, I don't believe that God is the one who caused all of this but she's at the end of her rope. She says, no, just curse God and die. In other words, just give up. And I'm sure we have felt like that in times of our lives too, where it's like, I don't know how to go on. I'm just ready to give up. Because in those moments, the the feelings can be so big, they're almost overwhelming. But here's how Job responds to her. He responds with a different way to think about God. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? You see, Job believed that blaming God was foolish because he understood something else about the world. He understood that both good and trouble will come in this life and that we should honestly expect both. We shouldn't expect only good things to happen. Unfortunately, we should also expect that pain will come in this life and not be surprised when tragedy strikes because that is a part of the world that we live in. And understanding how to hold both of these things in tension is part of the Christian journey. It's thinking about how we can thank God for when the blessings come in our lives while also accepting that pain and loss and hurt are part of this life as well. Yes, Job is holding both of these realities in his hands. So he says to his wife, no, I'm not going to blame God. But that doesn't mean he doesn't get angry at God. Later on, 
he expresses to God his own feelings of anger over his situation. Here's what he says in chapter 10. So we're doing excerpts here. He says to God, Your hands shaped me and made me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember, you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? I mean, Job's basically saying, God, you're in charge of the entire world. So then why is this happening to me? Couldn't you have chosen a different way? God, why, why, why? Now, here's where I fall on this. I truly do not believe that God is orchestrating your pain. I don't view God as a puppet master who says, okay, today you're going to experience this horrible hardship. You know, I'm choosing this for you. That's not the type of God that I see in Scripture. But I do believe that God allows pain, hurt, and loss to happen in our life. And do you see the difference there? On the one hand, we can say that it is not God who's causing the pain that we go through. You know, the the question that we're studying today asked, why did God take my sister? And I really don't believe that God took her. But I do believe that God created a world where tragedy can occur and that God allows that to happen. And it's okay to struggle then with the tension of a God who wants the best for us, but also allows the systems of the world to play out. And so Job, Job here doesn't blame God, but he does express anger because he's right in the midst of his grief. Of course, he is angry. When I read that, it makes me understand, you know, it's okay to express anger towards God. It's okay to yell at God sometimes. Why? Because God wants to know how you authentically are feeling. There's no point holding it in. God knows it anyway. God wants to know what's on your heart. And so when you're upset or when you're in the midst of pain, the worst thing you can do is ignore God and to say, you know, God, I'm just going to hold this in right now. I'm not even going to talk to God right now because I just can't handle that. Now, God says through this book of Job, express to me exactly what you're feeling. Even if you think, oh, this is not okay to feel this way, God says, I know it. This is part of the human journey. Talk to me with exactly what you're going through. So Job understands this tension of he's going through pain. He's not blaming God, but he is angry. And he's talking to God. He's expressing that anger. But even in his anger, he's holding out hope that possibly someday God might make all things right again. Now, this is a really neat excerpt that comes later that we're going to study. Because remember, this is the earliest book written in the Bible. So how ancient is this document that we're reading? This comes way before the New Testament, way before Jesus, way before the resurrection. So in Job's time period, there was no conception of an afterlife. When you died, that was it. Dead was dead. Dead was the end of the story. But Job wonders, what if? What if God has bigger plans than just this life? Here's how he says it. We're jumping now to chapter 14. 
Job says, but when people die, their strength is gone. They breathe their last, and then where are they? As water evaporates from a lake and a river disappears in drought, people are laid to rest and do not rise again. What a poetic way to talk about death, isn't it? He says, when a person dies and their body decomposes, it's, it's kind of like water in a lake that evaporates away. And you say, where are they now? Can they ever come back? But Job goes on to say, surely that can't be it. Surely that's not the end of the story. If this is truly the God that I worship, surely there's more to this story. I mean, if we died and that was it and there was nothing else, how tragic of a story would that be? But Job dreams of more. Here's the very next sentence. Job says, but can the dead live again? And if so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle. Yes, Job believes that he would have hope in the future if there was some promise of resurrection. If there's some hope that the dead could live again. But Job, in his lifetime, never got to see that promise fulfilled. But we do. Because we are living in a different time period. We are living post-New Testament. And so we see that what was dreamed about early in the Old Testament found its fulfillment in Jesus, in his resurrection, in the possibility of new life, life everlasting. Yes, Job's saying God does allow the dead to live again. And so therefore, if that is true, then there's reason to hope, even in the most painful situations. I believe we should hold fast to that. Because if we're holding on to that truth, that's going to give us enough hope to get through even the most painful struggles. I mean, what Job is really saying is that God's love is big enough to even encompass death. Think about that for a second. We think about death sometimes as just the the worst thing in the world. We think of it as an end to reality, an end to everything, a severing of relationships, and then we fear death. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. But Job is saying, what if? What if God's love is big enough that it can encompass even death? What if death is simply part of the world that God created? These are the sorts of things that Job is thinking through as we look at pain and tragedy in the world. Now, I get that this is a, it's a big topic, and it's a topic that can be challenging to think through, particularly early on a Sunday morning. And so sometimes I think it's, it's easier to understand truth through story. So I want to share with you the end of one of my favorite stories. You've probably read it before, or at least the first book, but it's the Chronicles of Narnia. It's a children's story. And the very first book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is just a classic. But did you know there's actually seven books? And the end of the seventh book, which is called The Last Battle, it ends with a startling revelation about death. So here's the context, in case you're not familiar with the stories. 
So the context is that there are children who are living in England, but every so often, they get taken to this magical world of adventure, this world of Narnia. And in that world of Narnia, there's a lion. The lion's name is Aslan. And Aslan the lion uh, symbolizes God in this story. Well, what happens is that they always go to Narnia, they have their adventures, and then they return back to their normal life in England. But at the very end of the very last book, Aslan says, you're not going home. And that's very strange to them because they always go home. They have their fun, they return home. But he says, this time, no, you're, you're not going home. Now, I would say spoiler alert, but I don't think I can spoil something that was written in 1956. So I'm just going to charge ahead here, but here's how the book ends. I, I want to read to you just these closing two paragraphs when the children ask, why? Why are we not going home from Narnia this time? There was a real railway accident, says Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever in which every chapter is better than the one before. So the book ends by Aslan, the God figure, saying you're not going back because you died in that world. But he says, but you're still with me. You're still in the presence of God. You're still in Narnia, what we might call heaven. And he's saying in all that time that you had before, in what you considered the real world, he says in my as I look at your life as a story, all of that was just like the title page. That was just like the preface to the real story that you continue to get to live with God through the life everlasting. And in that story, he says, every chapter is going to be better than the one before. You see, as, as Christians, we believe that death is not an end. Death is more of a passageway a transition into a different way of life, a different reality, a different understanding of our world. So what we can say here is that our lives here on earth, as beautiful and joy-filled as they are, are still only like the title story of the life that we get to live with God. That possibility of resurrection, of new life, that fills Job with hope, even in the midst of his pain. And so the, in the book of Job, on chapter 19, he arrives at an affirmation of faith. He says, okay, 
because I believe that God is here, even in my tragedy, and because I believe that God's love can even encompass death, he says, I can still affirm my faith, even in the midst of pain. Here's how he puts it. This will be our final scripture for today. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, meaning after he dies, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. So do you see that the track that Job has taken throughout even our, our brief excerpts this morning? I mean, he begins by understanding that both good and tragedy are part of this life that we live. But then he doesn't blame God when the tragedy comes, although boy, he is angry with God from time to time. Yet even in his anger, he realizes that God's love is the truest of realities, that God's love encompasses even death. And then he ends on this beautiful affirmation of faith, saying, I know that my Redeemer lives, and one day I will see God face to face. In the face of tragedy and grief, which we all can think of, we've all gone through to varying degrees, my hope today is that we can stand on this very same affirmation, that we can say, even to our pain, I know that my Redeemer lives, and one day I will see God face to face. I hope that your heart yearns within you as much as mine does for that reality, because that hope can get you through some of the biggest challenges of life. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.